Gaming NBS episode 186 coming to you Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. How you doing, Sean? Doing okay. That's good. That's very good. How are you doing, Brett? Not too bad. This is a pretty relaxing weekend. I had the opportunity to, well, kind of, kind of use this to slip into announcement here. I did. Um, I got some really good guidance from Chris Nizak and Sean Merwin from Coda Designs around mm-hmm. next steps for my Avalon Kickstarter preparation. Oh. So I spent yesterday and today cranking out, uh, I don't know, 4,000 words or so. Just, uh, I don't know if that's. I, don't, I have no idea if that's good output or not. I have no idea. I don't write. I don't write and count words that often. I just counted words to see what would happen. But well, anyway, it's, it's building. Than, it's more than five. That's totally more than five. Totally. And as an English and philosophy major, we all know I suck at math. So, <laughs> anyway, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to work on that stuff. So, I think every thousand words or so, it's one step closer. So it's all getting there. Working, working, working. And then afterwards, you could be a resident expert. Yeah, you could totally. do you could do one thing, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know, I know all about this." Oh yeah, yeah. I did it. I did a Kickstarter once. <laughs> let me let me, <clears throat> let me tell you how it works, kids, right. from yeah. the inside perspective. That's right. Yeah, I did it once. <laughs> That's, right. That's why there's. It, it's funny. I've had. It's sometimes it's just Midwest self-deprecation. We're like, ah, I'm not a writer. Ah, I'm not really a designer. And. I, those titles are interesting to me to a point, but this is just a thing I'm really passionate about. And I want to do, and um, me putting you know putting the sweat equity into the typing the words is totally fine because it's in my head anyway. And it's faster and easier this way. So anyhow, I'm liking it. It's kind of fun. It's great, Brett. So other announcement: How is the listener survey doing? We're ending it what this coming Sunday. This drops on the 11th, and you'll have four days after that because on the 15th we cut it. Yeah. Uh, as of, uh, right now we have over 90, we have 93 responses. Anything good? Um, <laughs> anything like, Hey, tell that Brett guy to shut the fuck up. Anything like that? Maybe. Um, nothing, nothing as blatantly, uh, open as that. Oh, they were nice about it. Yeah. Quite, quite a, a lot of niceties. Uh, you know, I think I've shared this, uh, at, so the, I think the most constructive feedback that has come forward which is not a huge surprise as some people have have mentioned my lack of engagement or my checked outedness uh, on occasion yeah yeah but uh they said that uh, ewok needs more airtime i think there was a comment oh. in there oh yep. christ yeah Wayne yep. ewok hasn't been out in a while yep uh sometimes there's a little dancing around the topic at hand uh digging with more specific issues so there's there's a couple comments i think that came in more recently about um, some that, tuning, some tuning, yes, fine tuning. I think that's the the worst of it. Is like more of a tweak here or there, nothing catastrophic. Well, that's cool. Once we have it, obviously, I want to see it. I haven't seen any of this yet, folks. So, yeah, Brett hasn't seen any of it. No, so I'm assuming Sean will again. You're the Kelly. There'll be a lot of criticism for Brett, but Sean will be golden. It'll be awesome. Look I have at to that. Export the spreadsheet and manipulate the findings ah uh, yes brett needs to brett needs not to oh, wow it's really weird it's all brett that's a long list of shit i can't do right <laughs> that's great wow i'm gonna 
Oh, allow me to pour another bourbon and finish the rest of this. Yeah. Why won't they love me? So thank you, everybody, that's taken the time to answer the 10 questions. I think were complete. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. Well, Sean, as you said, I mean, it's one of those things where you send a survey out and you know you're basically hitting the listeners, right, the people who already most likely engage with us on a regular basis. Sometimes, I'm sure, we're getting people who haven't written in, right. haven't called, emailed, right. anything like that. That'd be correct. But I believe that our listeners are some pretty sharp men and women, and when the boys and girls write in and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'd like to hear, or whatever, if they've stuck with us this long, you know, or even if they just came in, I, th- those opinions matter. We'll do what we can to um, to adjust things. Obviously, kind of the core of who Sean and Brett are isn't going to change much. We're uh, of an age where that <laughs> it's going to be hard to change absolute personalities, but... Hey, if we can make the show better by dint of listening to what you folks have to say, I'm all for it. Well, there, there's one that I, I just read. This must have came in last. I'm going to read this. Go for that it. It says, um, love the show, guys. Great stuff. I really dig the topics and BS. I will t- make one comment. Had a DCC friend listen to the Jen Brinkman episode. He was a bit put off, off put with Sean's comment about punching her in the face which probably wasn't exactly said that way, but there was a lot of face punch threats. So I could see there may have been some confusion. I took it as weirdly funny and your rough and tumble charm, but just thought I'd pass it on since it was perceived as negative by a potential listener. Keep up the great show and, and doing you. Huh? I will have to go back and listen to that show. I know Um, we have often used the term punch the bad guy in the face, right? Punching, punching the character, like yeah, smashing them in the face. Yeah, because we'll have those those players, and even ourselves. We've talked about sometimes when you're playing the fighter, and fighter doesn't want to punch anything in the face. You're like, come on, man, you're a fighter, get in there, smash the bad guy. So if um, that's good feedback though, because the last yeah. thing we want to do is say something horribly off putting. I mean, yeah. I cuss and I, I cuss and swear plenty, <laughs> so at least. Well, and I think it's. I think you have to listen to us more than one show sometimes because if you listen to one show and you come across something that's not overly cool, uh, it's it's kind of it, maybe it's not the most gracious first impression we make. That's possible. It's possible, and um, lo and behold, how we should we should or shouldn't tell somebody how to feel. But I would never want to punch Jen Brinkman in the face by any means. Oh God, no! Jen's awesome. Now, I have used the phrase, so Dave Jackson. Sean, does, Sean, just for the record, Sean has wanted to punch me in the face before, and that's oh, fine. Have, that's that's fine. That's true. Uh, now, Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, I listened to, and he had a listener on, and I forgot that listener and who it was, but what they were saying was when you launch a podcast, you should, you know, you should do it, right? That's one thing that people don't do is they get uh, afraid or they have – reservations, you know, that everything's got to be perfect. They kind of like paralysis analysis. And uh, one of the guys that he, that's a listener of the show called in or he had on as a guest and said, nobody is going to punch you in the face, right? That That's kind of the saying, like, hey, just do it. Uh, it nobody's going to punch you in the face, so you don't have to fear about, don't have a fear about that. that that's kind of the thing. And I've used that on the show, like, hey, just like running a game, just run a game. I assure you, nobody's going to punch you in the face. So kind of turn the phrase, figure speech. Yes. And so I don't know if I used that in the Jenna Brinkman episode, but, um, well, and, and frankly, if they just tuned into that, 
just to listen to, to Jen on the, the show, which because they're a DCC fan, um, that that may have that may have been it. Could have been. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that's contextually. We, we talk about punching people in the face. We don't mean it. No, we don't. We don't mean about. We don't mean half the shit we talk about on this goddamn show. <laughs> well, obviously, I, do, I, I seriously don't like <laughs> shoot one across the bow at my players. Literally, that would be a little. I probably have certain police officers <laughs> at my door at that point. You know, there's people that uh, don't like watching Jackass, the movie Jackass, the TV show when it was on. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's similar to our our sometimes childish antics. It could be. Maybe. Maybe. Like I said. Some podcasts are not for everybody. It could be just interest and you know, entertaining. Some people think we try too hard to be funny. Well, I'll tell you what, though the the thing is that type of information is it's the when you ask for criticism, you you're gotta get, accept it. You yeah. gotta accept it. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're gonna hear somebody who um, says, "Hey, I don't like this thing that Brett does. I don't like the phrase right. that Sean used, or I think you're trying to, too hard to do X." And that may mean that look, if you don't change it, Brett and Sean, I can't right. keep listening to you. Absolutely yeah. legit. I have bear no ill will to anybody, so right. not for that. Not for something as foolish as so that. So the the lesson here is thank you so much for sharing the info because we can't do anything about it if we don't know about it. And I have a feeling that some people just don't care for us, and that's okay. They just Absolutely. don't listen to yeah. us, and that, you know that's cool and dandy. Um, you know, you can't they can't satisfy the whole. I mean, TV shows or you know Game of Thrones gets millions of viewers. There's other viewers that don't watch it. I don't. Right, Brett's one of them. See. There you go. Brett's the one viewer in America that doesn't one watch One viewer in America doesn't watch that or Walking Dead. That's just me. Right. There you go. So, anyways, thank you all for the feedback. Thank you for being as candid as you, you feel or you are and have been. Uh, that's the listener survey, so let's put that to bed. Yes, sir. Um, right. We'll talk about it again. So, anyway. Oh, the other piece I want to mention is the Gamehole Con. Uh, registration is open. And by registration, I should mean game submission. Registration is a bad term. Submissions. Submissions. Retyping notes right now as I speak. Submissions for events. So we've had a number of folks on uh, the Twitters and G Plus to say, hey, I've set up some games I'm going to run um, under the Gaming BS banner, which is fucking awesome. Now Sean and I have to get off our asses and do it ourselves. I've got... Two that I'm going to be running. Uh, one will be an Avalon game, and another one will be a Gumshoe game. I'm trying to decide if I'm probably Trail of Cthulhu. I'll get those two written up and submitted. I think before the end of the day today, I'll get that done. Sean, have you picked what you're going to run? Or no, no, not yet. Any ideas? Forget uh, about it. Forget about it. it's a hit. Forget about it is always a go-to because I just know it well enough to throw them down and make it happen. But I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's that and something else. Who knows? I'll tell you what. If you do forget about it, I'll talk to uh, Dan. You, you know Dan M., the guy who's working for me right now. Car guy. And we'll yeah. see if I can get you a steering wheel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we got to get you a yeah. steering wheel prop. That's what we got Well, there's get. a few things that I could use for that game to like make it just a little bit cooler for con play. So. Yeah. we got to amp that up for you. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, anything else? I don't think no, so. No. Let's Let's punch it into Random Encounter. Yeah. Right. Got a few this week. Ooh, got some good ones. Do you want to start? I'll let you start. All right. Email from Thomas Hook. Howdy, BSers. Just a note to let you know how much I've enjoyed the last few shows. I did want to comment on episodes 183 and 185 as they kind of go together. 
So in narrative permissions, as well as in 185, which was the last show we talked about, uh, what was 185? Oh, rolling, not rolling, right? Yes, yes, yes. I agree that it helps. It helps. Oh, 185, excuse me. 185 is the volume of uh, skill checks allowed. Everybody piling in, piling on top. Sorry, lost my mind. I I agree that it helps not to require a role on all things. I often reward the players for creative thinking and or having spent lots of points in one skill or another because of the player's concept for his PC. This being said, I also think it's important to have some roles for the non-critical checks or a pattern will develop where the players will be like, oh, crap, we got a role? It must be super important. He only has us roll if it's bad. I work hard to keep patterns from developing from ad- adventure to adventure, which is a very good point. That is a very good point. I hadn't even yeah. thought about that. It's one of those things that when someone, <laughs> when, when a listener like that, when Thomas is like, hey, this is a thing, I'm like, oh, shit, no, damn, why didn't we think about that? That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, so what he's saying is make, make sure you mix up the check calls, I guess. Calls for checks if you're having them do, do it. Brett mentioned how many, uh, how some adventures will have Easter eggs hidden in odd places to reward creative looking or thinking. As a member of the 50 and over gamer crowd, throat clear, that reminds me. I hope you had a happy birthday, Brett. I did. I did. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I agree with Brett when he speaks of the older adventures seeming to be set up as if the players weren't supposed to find the items hidden. Sometimes it seemed as if the writer wanted you to know just how clever they were, but you never really found out how smart the author was because you never found the shit. Uh, go figure. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Oh, Touche. In one adventure, I'll never forget how disappointed I was as a newer player to find out just how much stuff we didn't find. Hidden treasure, secret doors, and odd little twists that the module never even hinted at. As a group, we did complete the main quest of that adventure with a positive ending, but when the DM went back and told us what all we missed, almost as a gloat, it was pretty disheartening. Yeah, advice, don't ever... Don't it. don't gloat, Jesus. Don't, well, well, don't gloat and just, I mean, I don't know if I would even divulge it. Not immediately after. It might be like a, a campaign or two later or sometime over beer or coffee or lunch someday. But I would, I'd let that dust settle for a bit before you tell people, ah, boy, you could have totally found a you know Holy Avenger if only you looked underneath the sofa. <laughs> that could be a kick in the shorts. With that lesson learned, I always try and make sure the players get hints or information as to where and how something was found, such as the player saying, I searched the desk. I might say, hidden on the bottom of a drawer, you find a map. Not just say, you found a map. That's a good point. Doing this, I hope to get the players into a mode of, oh, this guy's sneaky. We have all seen or read the mystery where the main detective walks straight over to a wall and removes the only painting hiding the safe or that was that has the secret plans taped to the back of the picture. But how often, as everyday people, do we think of this stuff? So in describing the way items were found, it may help the players be more creative. So when the PC opens the door and sees nothing of interest and then proceeds to shut the door, I'm all I'm all for going as you shut the door, you notice that one of the paintings is hanging a little askew. Especially if the item is important to the main quest, or I may just place it in the next room that they do search. I will often give subtle hints while the players are dealing with someone else, like combat. Mo, while you run down the hall with three trolls in hot pursuit, you catch glimpse of odd scratches on the floor. Obviously, the player won't take time to stop and look with the trolls breathing down his neck, but I find crafty players will go back later and investigate the clue after the crisis is over. I have had as 
uh, player actually traveled back up two floors of a dungeon a week later to investigate a clue that he only remembered when he got home after the game that night. As far as the roll-to-check train goes, with all the sleeping players wanting to pile on all of a sudden, I usually let them roll, and if it's not a critical item to the adventure, I most often stick with the first roll, and if it's sucked, oh well. Now I will allow players to aid one another, but only if it is stated as aid or help. Curly states he will check the desk, and then Larry says, oh, I'll help Curly with the desk if I can. If I use a roll, I will give them the eight other plus two for whichever one wants to make the check. I did play with a group of younger players for a while. When I say younger, I mean in ages from 20 to about 30. Their system was you kept what you found, so the check roll was very important to them. The DM never put pre-rolled treasure on NPCs or hiding around the room. She had a system of the better the roll, the better stuff you found. Once someone said they were checking a body or an area that was it. No one else could come behind and recheck just because the first player had a poor roll. Well, I've had, uh, have babbled on long enough, so until next time, keep the dice warm and the beer cold. Thomas from Beholder's Horde. Nice. Thank you, Thomas. That was good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. You know, when we talked about adversarial DMs a while back, uh, I know it was kind of a you know when you see it type of thing but i'll tell you <laughs> gloating gloating not so good don't gloat yeah. that's yeah. that's bad but i do like the rest of the descriptors and other pieces thomas had in there so that's really good stuff man thank you yeah. all right so next up is an email from michael fisk michael starts off hi guys great podcast as usual good discussion regarding skill checks as a dm i can relate to all the points you brought up and have been in similar situations don't forget that D 5e has a couple of additional ways to handle skill checks where everyone wants to pile on the skill check besides passive checks Working together and group skill checks are your friendly rules for these situations. Can you even use a similar? Can you you can you even use a similar resolution system in other games? Working together, uh, one player makes a skill check, and then the helper, hey, I want to pick the lock two, provides advantage to the lead checker. It's a great rule uh, as the party still just sticks with at most two dice rolls from any one player. <clears throat> Excuse me, the player wants to make the check. Usually, the character built with the highest skills, so you're rewarding the character design choices. The Me Too, Me Too player still feels like they help because they provide an advantage. This works great in a number of situations. It keeps, fa- uh, keeps it fast with a minimum of discussion and make the check and move on. Group skill checks, everybody rules. Rolling dice is fun, but oh, at least half the party needs to succeed to pass to, for the check to pass. Everyone wants to make a perception check for that ambush or stealth check to sneak past the guards? Okay, everyone rolls. But if you don't pass... Everyone fails. Works great in a lot of situations, especially when you as a DM want to ramp up the tension as some players fail their skill checks, say like climbing a mountain cliff during a storm. Keep up the good work and happy gaming. DM Mike. You know, Mike, that last bit you have there, I have never thought to use that, and I don't know why. Really? Yeah, when you say everyone make a roll and half of you have to succeed. And for group skill checks, that doesn't, I don't know why, that has never dawned on me. That seems... Oh, light shine. Holy shit. Why haven't I not thought about that? Because that would you're gonna, that would work. you were going to say about the, uh, if if somebody fails, like sneaking across. The- no, no, that's fun. It's fun to make people yeah. fail. Watching failure is hilarious, especially yeah. when it's other people. But the whole, <laughs> the whole idea of everybody roll, especially for group things, that is what has, that's what led me to the piece it was in my Warhammer game I'm running. When the guy said, oh, can I check, can I check, can I check, what I should do based on this idea, which I like, is everybody roll. How many people got successes out of six of you? 
Only two. Okay. Everything's fine. Oh, three of you. Good. Everything's fine. Or right. whatever. However you use your descriptors. But point being is have a set number of people who need to succeed. I like that. I don't know why I never thought of that. God damn. I'm sure I've been told that before and I just have not used it. Not it's in recent crazy. memory. It's good stuff. Crazy. Thank you, Mike. I'm using that. Yeah, Mike. Over to you, sir. Brandon Teal shares with us a tweet he saw from at Pink Dice GM on Twitter who writes, Brett and Sean, I ran across this on Facebook. So it was a tweet on Facebook or from Twitter on Facebook and thought you might like it as an interesting role-playing device for your players. I, de- I immediately thought of how interesting and slightly out of hand this would get with the old Wausau gaming group. Cheers, <laughs> Brandon. So <clears throat> Brandon's, Brandon is one of my uh, gamers from ages back. In my in my Wasa group, so that's cool. So Pink Dice GM in a tweet says, "In recent games, I require players to write five rumors related to their character's reputation: two good, two bad, one false. I later pass these out to other players as things their PC would have overheard. It spawns early role play. <laughs> that is pretty freaking cool. I love that because then you get." I get to say what it is, right? So my I as a player, I'm writing that down. I've got control of what the information is, the good, the bad, and the false. And then sprinkling that across, especially if you all meet in a tavern or you <clears throat> think about how cool that would be. You know, you all sit down at the tavern. You, you've not met before, but I've heard about you, Thalmar the Wicked. Whoa, who calls you Thalmar the Wicked? Well, that's what they call you back in Quorum Town or whatever. Oh, oh you heard about that, you know. Having those pieces, then the players may not know which <laughs> rumor's been handed out to whom. So, oh, I like that. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for sharing that, Brandon. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Blake Ryan emailed us on uh, episode 185 as well. Good day, fellas. Some GMs do the um, do all the perception searching roles for their groups. This is not exciting for players, but does cut down on metagaming. Some GMs get players to do three to five perception rolls at the start and then mark them off as required. Have you ever done that, Sean? Have you heard of that before? I, yeah, I, I've, I've known about the pre-rolls, but I've never done it. I've never done it. I had a buddy of mine who would do that often, but that's cool. Okay, sorry. Here, here he goes on. Blake continues with what I do when someone says they're going to search. I ask the group who is searching and who is doing something else. The heroes need to find the information. Remember, there is more than one way to get that to them. You know what? Hang on. I'm going to stop there for a second. I think what Blake did there in the what I do when someone says they're going to search, I ask the group who is searching and who is doing something else. That is a wonderful preemptive strike to, okay, you roll, you fail. And that preemptive question stops you. Well, I would have been looking too. I always have one eye on the thief. I'm always, I always pay attention. That completely preempts that. Okay, Sean's going to look. Is, you know, Chris, Ange, Eileen, uh, who, who, uh, what are you guys doing? Oh, I'm looking here. I'm do- oh, yeah, I'm going to help Sean. Okay, good. Everybody stated their intent, and then you carry on. You don't have to worry about the piling on because you take care of it with that preemptive question. I like that. That's very good. So he continues. If the heroes need to find the information, remember there's more than one way to get that to them. They find writing in pieces scattered by location or by participants of the plot. They can hear rumors, some half true, some not. They have a dream, either shared or prophetic. They can have a flashback, something they'd forgotten. They can see a reflection of something in a window that deciphers a symbol. Excuse me. They can meet someone who is knowledgeable in the area but needs protection from X, Y, and Z cults. They can find writing in another language later on the campaign. They can be laying down to rest a month later 
and reviewing what happened, and they go, damn, I missed something. Let's go back. <laughs> I, could, I could see that happening because I do that myself. Um, if it's any uh, item they could use in the boss battle or even a battle later in the campaign, then GM can take them out of the secret wall niche and stick it in the hands of the minions and attack uh, that attack the heroes sometime. For a twist on the minions, or could offer uh, up to the PCs as a truce because they want out of the area. If someone likes to search a lot, I will throw them a few trinkets, like a first aid kit, alchemist fire, bag of euphoric herbs, whatever. For the record, I think Brett is a skilled GM and a great guy, but most episodes I agree with Sean. Uh, I'm also too far away from Brett to shoot. <laughs> That's all right, Blake. I'll let you. I'll let you live. <laughs> Voice of rationality. Yes, Blake. Hmm. You know that is he. He mentions a thing there for a twist. On the, minions could offer it, i.e., the item to the PCs for a truce because they want out of the area. Um, I have occasionally done that when sorting through a module looking for something, or you got this really cool encounter in mind, and the player's just laying waste, and you know, pick on goblins because they're small, and weak, or kobolds. And they get down on their knees, they're big for quarter, and they just start throwing treasure at the party. I had a group of kobolds oh one time, God. like, hurling bags of coins at the party. And my players were like, what, are they, what is this? <laughs> no one smoked kobold. The kobolds are, like, throwing stuff. They drop their weapons, like, emptying their pockets and flinging gold at them. Just say, go away, go away, go away. Here's the money. Let us live. <laughs> Which made for a very entertaining, uh, entertaining half hour there. So, anyway, cool. And I like you, Blake, even though you agree with Sean. <sighs> Hey, it's all right, Brett. It's all good. All right, let's get into the main topic. Thanks for everybody writing in. Appreciate it. All righty then. So in the spirit of limits, (laughs) we've been talking about how many players are, how many skill checks are too many? Who, Who should do this? What's going on? What's happening over there? I was thinking about that kind of in that same vein. And one of the things that Sean and I have thrown off kind of offhandedly on other topics was the idea about limits, just overall limits in games. So I wanted to focus a little bit more on that piece because I think it's really easy for Sean and I to say, oh, yeah, in X situation, it's really good to to limit those options, really good to limit those options. But I wonder how far or when that type of limitation becomes... Um, a hindrance more than a help. Ooh. So let's uh, we'll, let's dive in. <coughs> Excuse me, damn it. So one of the things that um, I've talked about here on the show before, and Sean has as well, is things we usually like to limit, or we want to draw, kind of draw a box around, if you will, and say nothing outside of here for the sake of X. So one of the pieces that we've talked about is um, rule systems. When we talk about games with uh, Splatbook Hell, you know, when you've got 6,000 different versions of GURPS, AD&D 2nd Edition, Splatbooks, Pathfinder, you know, anything that has tons and tons of those. Sometimes it's nice to say, look, only a couple expansion books, just the Pathfinder core rules, nothing extra. Is that, I like doing that because then it gives everybody the same sandbox to play in as far as what rules are available and what classes and characters and, and races. It kind of helps to to uh, keep that stuff confined. Also, if you're playing a game with feats or special powers, then it somebody, if you're making a superhero uh, game, doesn't pick some bizarre power that's not that no one else has access to because they don't own the rule book. If everyone in the group has access to the core rules, 
seems to make it easier. Is that, I think when we've talked about that before, Sean, that's something you like to do or try to do. Is that still true for you? To, to limit that? Yeah, to limit the number of books. Uh, yeah. I, well, I try to keep it to, most of the times when I'm dealing with games, um, if there are third-party publishers that can contribute to that system or game, I usually try to limit it to the core, core, whatever. Yeah, like so- Pathfinder, Pathfinder example, you know, there's a lot of splat books. Uh, but there's even third-party books. And oh, yeah, you can get stuff from uh, Cobalt Press, yeah. from Midgard stuff that's Pathfinder accessible, or um, she had all sorts of stuff out there that, that, that could be thrown in that mix. So I take one of two ways, two stances. One is uh, keep it at the core, um, whatever they may be. Core, it could be core rule books. It could be uh, core to the publisher. Like if it is a Pathfinder game supplement, then fine. The other tr- the trick is that you have to provide it, right? So you have to have it. You oh, so if it. I want to use it and you say, let me see it, it, you of Game Master would say, I want to look that thing over, buddy, so I understand it. Right. Yeah, bring it to the table. Bring it to your game um, if it's virtual. And, uh, yep, that's what I would do. Or, um, yeah, that's those are the those were the two I would take. And if it's third party, yeah. And if it's third party, and I say, yeah, okay, that's fine. Bring third party, but you gotta have it known it. The other thing I would say to pile onto that too is that I use the example of Sean as game master. Brett brings the rules to him. I would say, almost <clears throat> perhaps a requirement would be to let everyone in the group see it. Uh, one of the reasons being is like my buddy Alpha is a really good rules lawyer. I've said that before on the show. If I say, hey, I want to do this, and I get it by Lenny, who's running the game. It would actually behoove me to let Alpha take a look at it as well and behoove Lenny to make sure that it's not too crazy, too weird. It's kind of that, that balance component, right? Sometimes balance matters. Um, at least it seems to matter more to me during character generation than it does at, at other times during the actual adventure. Like, you know, having something that is some character class that seems wildly overpowered for everybody who's starting at first level or just doesn't seem to to fit or, or something along those lines. If you only bounce it off of one person at the table, you might not get the same read. Even if the person happens to be the game master, it might be a good idea to let other people have access to it. Cause if you can do it, everybody else at the table can do it too. So I have to, I have to have to have you clarify something for me, Brett. What's that? So you don't believe typically in game balance. Not typically. No. So as a game master, you're kind of like, hey, man, here's a lich. I'm throwing you whatever, whatever, CR20 monster, whatever a lich is. Yeah, sucks to be your second level. Hope you don't fight him. Right. Don't fight him, right? Yeah. But when the players come up with, like, a, a weird rule that they might have gotten from a third-party publisher or maybe just in core and it's or whatever book. I want to make like, sure. Well, wait a minute. No. I want to make sure that is available to everybody. What oh. I'm saying is that if, if Sean brings up the ultimate Omega Paladin from, you know, Brett and Sean Press, like, oh, my God, these Paladins, oh, my God, these Paladins, if right. that is only available to Sean because he happened to have found the ultimate Omega Paladin book yeah. and not available to anybody else, right? that is when maybe not balance, but maybe, like, accessibility would okay. be a better phrase. I want it to be available to everybody. I see. If you've got a so really cool give, rule for, you don't give a shit if you don't give a shit if it's powered in a in a particular way. 
The only way I would is that if it comes to setting, which is the other piece, is that I try to make sure that the setting, the genre, um, the world, the way it's set up, is like in my world of Avalon, if I were to run with Pathfinder, Oracles don't play there. It, it doesn't fit. You know, okay. Summoner uh, doesn't really fit. So I would say, no, those those class options where someone would say, hey, I want to play Dragonborn. Sorry, don't exist. Move on. You know. But if someone were to say, hey, there's a really cool extra feat for rangers to use out of this book, as long as everybody who ever wanted to be a ranger could have access to that feat, and it fits the the rule, the genre, so on, yeah, give it a go. And you don't mind if it's maybe on the verge of being overpowered? Not usually, no. If you're part of the Wausau Gaming Group... And this nice. seems a little strange to you and new to you after having played with Brett over 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, please email gaminginbs at gmail.com. And call him to, out. To clarify that this may be a new rule for you in your game. I will say that when we have played new rules, uh, like when I ran Lamentations of Flame Princess, I told the guys, look, I want to run the game as it's written as much as we can. Yeah. So let's all make characters the same way. Let's all do it this way. Everyone went, yep, sure, let's give it a go. Let's give it a shot. We did the same thing with my Warhammer game. Uh, we sat down and said, hey, we're going to run characters. Are we going to do it? Can you make them without rolling in random charts? Absolutely. But we're not going to do that. We agreed we're going to go for it and get the full random chart character gen experience. So that's what we did. You could say, no, I want to, but somebody else says... I want to make it. I just want to make a troll slayer. I don't want to fuck around, possibly ending up with a rat catcher dwarf first. I want to go right to troll slayer. Well, um, as long as everybody at the table has the same access to saying, "Look, you can either roll on the charts to make your character randomly, or pick a or pick a profession." As long as everybody had the same option, then if somebody picked something that was overly optimized, well, well, good for them. But it's not. That is not usually a deal breaker for me. At least I don't remember it ever being such. I see. But most of the stuff that you're talking about is specific to setting feel. Yeah, the setting um the setting the world usually is the, the bumpers that everything else kind of needs to stay within. That it feels like it fits. If it fits, then it works. Gotcha. I could I could understand that. So I think that, that kinda of goes into the other, you know, why would I limit it? It's fitment, right? If it doesn't fit the genre and so on. Now, I do know, while I am not necessarily, like, I give a shit about balance for the most part, there are, <clears throat> excuse me, some people who are really, really good at min-maxing, and other people who just suck at it. You know, I knew guys who would who like to make Pathfinder characters. We play Pathfinder, and one of my friends just liked to use the, the core rules. That's what he knew, and he could make characters like that. I had another guy who liked to use every fucking Splatbook he could get his hands on, cherry pick his way through and have the undefeatable monk it was you know he can make an amazingly powerful character and one of the reasons we would limit things down was because that wasn't accessible to everybody not everybody had access to all the different splat books it didn't come down to let me think about this so i think what happens is then by dint of limiting the books because not everybody had access to them all it made things more from a player's perspective making their characters seem more balanced insofar as that if you were a really good min-maxer you could do it with you know the core rules of whatever the system was 
Um, or at least then, how, how do I want to say this? So you could still min-max the hell out of it. You would just be stuck using the same options and features that everybody else was. So you could still min-max and optimize to your heart's content, but you're not going to use things that are outside. Does that make sense? I think I just said the same thing like six times. That's probably what I did. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Is there anything else that you limit if you look at if you're gonna make a game, uh, or not make a game if you're gonna set something up? Like if you were um, playing, what's that spy game in the Cold War? Cold Shadows. Cold Shadows. So if you're running Cold Shadows, and I say I want to be, you know, a World War II, you know, Nazi guy. I want that's what I want to be. I want to be like a guy who escaped from World War II. Uh, but he's a Nazi, and uh, he's this. That would you be like? Yeah, that totally fits. Or would you be like? Well, that's not really. I want to be James Bond. Can I be James Bond? Well, <laughs> uh, it's not that game. Well, but uh, oh, it's the kind of spy I want, man. It's not that game, though. That'd be like saying, "Dude, I want laser beams and and guns in in D and D." Some D some DMs are like, "All right, man, sweet," and then some are like, "What?" Expedition, oh. Expedition to Barrier Peaks. Get that shit out of here. So you're, you're a genre guy then, too. It needs well, to be. Well, yeah, you can't. I mean, if it was an espionage game like Spycraft, maybe, because they can get, you know, they're, it's espionage is unique because you can play James Bond. You can play uh, Cold War. Mm-hmm. You can play with gadgets and weapons and, um, you know, that typical typical stuff, but you got to set that up front like that's the type of game you're going to play or you're going to want to kind of facilitate. And if a player is on the – I mean, someone could say, well, I'm going to be Austin Powers. Yeah, I've got the I've got the Cold Shadows Austin Powers splat book. Yeah, baby. And you'd be like, what Shagadelic. the, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not, not what I'm running. Man from Uncle maybe, James Bond, you know, maybe it's the, the Kingsman. You know, it it could be a combination of those, but that's got to be that's got to be up front, and that's a no brainer for some of the modern, right? Like especially espionage, you gotta you gotta put that in a box. Um, and so one could say the same for fantasy too. Like, uh, is it high magic, low magic? Yeah, put it, put your yeah. genre, put your setting, box it out so people understand the parameters, right? What right. they can bounce off of. Yeah. Now, interesting. So when I that seems pretty cut and dried, and so forth. And we've talked about different ways to creatively, ages back, I uh, can't even remember what episode, creative use of spells and creative use of items and skills and so on. And some of this comes down to, in my opinion, possibly it's the player slash character agency or creativity. Um, are there limitations, perhaps house rules, that you would want to – is that another thing – the creativity and um, agency aspects of it, are there pieces of that that you want to have limitations around? Agency and what else? <clears throat> creativity. Creativity? Like, look, I'm going to use this spider climb spell in order to help my uh, my thief mage oh. get a bonus on picking pockets. <laughs> I've got a well, dragon magazine that says I can. So there, there I... Uh... So I think if you're plugging, playing in a public forum and you're running a game and you're open to anybody joining, you're going to run into folks that are going to do some things that you might think is a little bit wacky. Yeah. Well, even even with your home group, somebody's going to say, hey, um, 
Well, my home group, I can go, dude. Are you freaking serious? Like that doesn't even make sense. Oh, you can call, you can call bullshit, wham, without without fear of <laughs> yeah. repercussions. Because yeah. I've known this guy. I've known that asshole for twenty just, years. And just for the record, I would not punch them in the face. No, no, you would not. I would not. I don't want to punch anybody in the face. Except me after the show. Monsters. Monsters. Yes. Punch them fuckers in the face. Uh, I would. You know, I've had some things happen on those. Uh, some of them aren't bad. Like they're not. They're not uh, Gonzo. Although they may screw up uh, the game group, right? They got a plan. The one person foils the plan by doing something ridiculous outside the plan. But as far as um, I don't want to limit somebody. Um. And sometimes it's a gel thing. I think sometimes. So hmm, uh, I'm not I'm kind of all over the place on this one. Well, Brett, let, 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 is, let me give you a second. Hold thing. on. All man. right, keep going. Well, keep I'm, going. Uh, so I think the thing is, is that you're going to get the one person who tries to take something way too far. You know, I, it's like the uh, economy action, action economy where they're like, okay, I run across the room. I cast a spell and then I turn around and I backstab them. And I'm like, whoa, they're a partner. Let's, let's figure this out first. You know, it's talking through that, understanding what, how it makes sense. And then somebody's going to be like, how does this not make sense? Like, we're in a world with elves and dragons and spells and magic. So, come on, man. You know, you got to let reality go a little bit, which is true. But I think it's what some people may say, the spirit of the game. So I wouldn't want to limit somebody by doing something creative necessarily because i think if you do that you're really setting up your group for failure uh because then they're gonna i mean not that it would say nobody would come up with anything creative but there's always going to be one person that may be just a little bit too creative yeah it's kind of like um as uh, as we learned from uh, monty python and holy grail i need to do it in my own idiom um <laughs> if you've got somebody I think if if it fits, and this maybe it goes back to setting and um, the genre we're talking about, right? So we're playing Cold Shadows, and we're in it, we're doing fine, and I want to rig up some James Bondian type of gadgetry, and the answer is no, or what are you trying to do? What? No, no, that that doesn't fit. Yeah, that that type of thing, you know, cars that suddenly can fly and go underwater—that's not a thing that's in this world. Yeah, but I've got the money. I've got the technology. How come I can't be really, uh, it's really a creative solution. No, yeah, we really, you know, kind of boxing that in. Is that where well, you're going? Cold, Cold shadows is a bad example. Cause it doesn't have any of that shit in it. It just doesn't, it's not in the game. You're not gonna, there isn't a Q section where they're going to give you a, a, a Lotus and, you know, allow you to squirt oil out the back and smoke screen and well, that game sounds uh, boring. machine guns. Well, you know, <laughs> to some people, it may be just fucking boring. Well, I'm using, let's let's take the, the genre as opposed to the game then. Cold War Spies. Yeah. You know, right. if you're trying to go to Gonzo with it, it does not fit. But what happens then is my, as a player, my character, I'm trying to be creative, perhaps a little Gonzo creative, and... You need to shut them down politely well, or say, well, perhaps not that far. You could have this other thing. It's not hot pink. It's gray, right? Not quite so crazy loud. It could be a step back. 
Well, the the one thing you could always say in that game is when you say I forgot strike. I think is the code the the word. You say strike. That's what happens. You shoot and you shoot somebody. And more than likely, you know, unless they're a a, a decent level NPC, you're going to kill them. And the thing is, that's the same as the game master. If I have an NPC that says strike and they shoot you, you know, players have a better chance of surviving it. But it's not all that great. Like, it is lethal for the reason of the genre and the spirit of that game. So if the thing I'm trying, if the creative thing I'm trying to do is outside the spirit of the game, genre setting, yeah, tone, all that stuff, right? then a, a no but is in order. Or a flat out, or a flat out, no, you can't fucking do that. I've gamed with you for 20 years, Sean. What the hell's wrong with you? You can't do that. I told you a thousand times. What's going to happen is your character is going to die. Oh, I see. So it's a yes, and your character dies. So I try to, I try to do something. <laughs> I try to use, say, use, a, use my spring tube with poison darts, and you'd be like, no, dude, dude, no, no, that doesn't work. You, you can't do that. Where would you get them? Well, I mean, that's just the thing I would build. I mean, I've got technology skills, and <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not. That's different game. Okay. It's not Traveler, man. No, fair enough. Playing D&D, it's not Traveler. Fair enough. And I think that it's interesting because it's, when I think about limitations, like, you know, with setting and so forth, okay, yeah, you can only have four basic races, six different classes to choose from. It's a city-based campaign. It's this, it's that. Okay, the house rules for, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, I'm fine. And um, I had a guy in my Avalon campaign a number of years ago wanted to develop a scuba suit for whatever reason. And I looked at him and said, dude, that's not going to work. No, I think I think with, you know, this blah, 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 my skill, and I should be able to figure this out. It, it's not, it really has nothing to do with the game. It doesn't fit the setting. I still want to do it anyway. And he was, like, passionate about it. So at the time, I said, okay. Just um, have him do it, and then it takes on water. So what I had him do was I said, this is your life's work, then. This is your character's life's work. <laughs> Take them out of the game. Is to create years. this thing. So if yeah. you want to step out of the game and do this, hardcore goes, no, I'll do it in my spare time. Okay, fine. Fine. You're working on it. This is your life's work. It's like some guy working, <laughs> you know, nine to five in a coal mine in Wales and who's also writing in a, the you know, the next great novel in his spare time. Got it. Right. Your life's yep. your magnum opus spare time. Gotcha. Right. What was cute to me was every every once in a while I'd be like, So am I done with that yet? No, it's been a week. I told you your life's work. When you retire your character, you'll finish this off. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, I was not kidding. If that's what you, I'm not adverse to you figuring that out and like being, you know, Gonzo interested in it. But that was the limitation I put on it. Was like you could try to do that, what I considered crazy ass thing, slash waste of time. But, um, no for now, and you could get it figured out eventually. That's your magnum opus. Keep yes, go, go and for it will. Yes, and it will take you 50 years. Yeah, that's a, that's a yes and or a no but type of thing. Okay, um, how about this? You want that? Then this is what it's got to be. So like a Cold War spy game, and you want to pull some crazy James Bondian something out of your hat, you're like, um, no, that's not how it works. If you could, well, get the uh, CIA to... Um, get the funding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, probably about, you know, n- another five elections. You could probably get that started. Oh, wow, that's a, uh, that kind of time. There you go. Moving on. <laughs> but 
But that's a limit. It's a limitation placed on player and and character creativity. Right? Yeah. They want to do yeah. they want to do something that they think is a creative solution to whatever. We're using two odd examples perhaps. But I want to solve a thing doing X. Yeah. And the answer is no, I have to put a limit on that. I can't let you be creative in that particular way. <clears throat> Because of the setting, the genre, the thing that we're trying to to do in this particular case, or just within the game itself, the parameters, the spirit of, as you say, it doesn't it doesn't fit. Right. And options are, yes, but it will take you fifty years, or you could <laughs> totally do that if you only understood uh, Newtonian physics and had a particle accelerator. Oh yeah, I don't have either of those. Okay, what else are you gonna do? All right, right, I'll come up with something different. I'm in D and D, and I want to build a spaceship. Yeah. I don't think it comes up all that often, those drastic. That not that drastic, but you have people, not people, I mean, I'm using it vaguely. I, I just think, remember, you know, granted, when you go back to when you're kids, and this is an interesting thing when you game with kids, they will, they will come up with some wacky-ass solutions based on things that they have seen in movies, TV shows, books they've read, video games they've played. Oh, I want to do this thing. It's not it's not how this game works, right? And you have to explain to somebody, you can't do that, but you can do this. Or to accomplish that, you'd have to be a 50th level mega mage from, you know, Barsoon. Oh, well, I can't pull it off. No, no, you can't. Oh, all right. But it is, um, it's a piece that I think we do want to limit some of that stuff because it has a potential to, that to me is more game breaking in a way. It's almost like, player-induced genre-breaking or balance-crushing in some way, where somebody found out. I remember Monty Cook writing a story, uh, story, an article on Little Kobold magazine about somebody who was running a D&D game, and somebody cast Water Breathing on the Red Dragon. Mm. And uh, the player smugly says, I'm paraphrasing, player sits back and smugly says, he can't breathe there, he dies. No save. And Mo- yeah, that was the answer. And Monty Cook said basically, "Okay, you little prick." Monty didn't say that; a much nicer guy. Um, but Monty Cook said, "Okay, fine. If you want to look it up and quote it chapter and verse to me, that's fine. But that is not how that spell was intended to be used. Therefore, I will rule that that's not that doesn't work like that. It's not an offensive spell. You, you don't just get to beat. You don't win D and D because you use water breathing on a dragon. No." It doesn't even make sense. Well, uh, the way the spell op works is that you can breathe water. If you if you read it, that doesn't mean you can't breathe oxygen. Though the way the spell was written, if I remember correctly, and the way some people had interpreted it, is you cannot breathe oxygen. Uh, seriously? Yes. Oh, I never took it that way. Yeah. So I again, it, thought, it, if, it depends. If you on... cast it, if you ca- I mean, so you would have to be in water to cast it, or you I mean, cast you... it and dive in the water. Right. Well, rapidly, yeah, really quick. Sure. Sure. So again, it's it's a way you interpret something. Somebody's trying to be creative. I think I have a solution for this huge dragon problem. Boom, I'm going to cast water breathing. The dragon's fucking dead. There's no water. Ha, ha, ha. No, you smirking little jerk. That's not how this works <laughs> type of thing. Now, that uh, that's, an ex- again, an extreme example. But those types of, it's a creative solution, right? Well, it's like the stone to mud, mud to flesh, whatever, stone to flesh stuff. Yep. That- combination that's why 
some of those things were nerfed by concentration. Like one needs concentration, and if you disrupt the concentration of one, that's how my group and I destroyed Lenny's um, Thrommel vampire and uh, from Return of Temple of Elemental Evil. Stone to flesh. flesh um, it was a uh, rock to mud. mud, back and forth. A couple of things we basically beat him to a point where he was had to go gaseous form. Then based on the initiative, he was then trapped in a sealed room which had no cracks. He could not eke his way out of it. And then because he couldn't get back to his coffin in time, he dies. We looked it up, ran it through. This is what happens when Lenny goes to put the kids to bed and leaves us an hour and a half to put the plan how to kill a vampire. But regardless... <coughs> That type of creativity happens, right? Yeah, I guess I don't know. Sometimes maybe I would just be like, "All right, hey, slow, hey, slow clap." Good, you killed the dragon. Yay, you water breathed the dragon to yeah. death. Yeah, it's done. Congratulations. I do recall distinctly somebody pulling something like that on uh, my high school DM Eric, and uh, Eric then going, "Okay, make a note." <laughs> Two adventures later. <laughs> Bam! Guess guess what party got hit with the same fucking thing? Yeah, and then Pete, and what's good for the goose is good for the gander type of approach, right. and then uh, consternation. You guys gave me good ideas. Yeah, so that's the other component is uh, <laughs> turnabout being fair play and all. It uh, when it comes back and uh, lands on you, not so much fun. But anyway, that's <coughs> excuse me, damn it. Um, I mean, if we if everything is very boxed and very very limited and we tighten the reins on creativity during play or that type of thing, then it has a very uh, kind of a feeling of sameness and, and boredom and so on. And people coming up with creative ways to do different things <clears throat> is great. And this ties into the, the yes and no but those conversations we've had in the past. And as I said, we've talked about creative spellcasting. But even when it's not that stuff, you know, somebody, <clears throat> you're playing in a, in a genre that is a certain time in a mythological or even real history there are no stirrups, right? Horse, you ride horses, there's no fucking stirrups, which without stirrups, you cannot do a plethora of horse riding cool things. Just not going to happen, right? <clears throat> and if you're living within those world and setting and genre limitations, having the characters, even the, as a game master, banging against them or trying to push them in directions that they don't belong or that are potentially genre-setting world balance breaking or cracking that's when the the limitation within gameplay comes in comes in for us is what i'm get is what kind of how i'm summarizing for you and i if i try to break your cold war game by doing non-cold war spy stuff the answer is well you don't have the funding for that or the only way you could get that type of high-end computer funding would be about six um you know Six rounds of uh, Democratic presidency followed by two rounds of this and uh, blah, blah, blah. Good luck getting that orchestrated so you can have this problem solved by next Friday. You know, by outlining the the difficulty of trying to do that thing. In games like that, it makes sense. The player often, at least in my experience, goes, oh, yeah, you're right. <sighs> it doesn't fit. It is Cold War. You're right. Good point. Yeah, shit, I wish I could do that. And then they back down. You just tell them no. Just tell them no. No. And if they don't listen to that, Come you on, just reach man. under your desk, pull out a hammer, put it on your table. No. Just no. <laughs> just no. Just a big no. Sorry, you can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? No. I said no. No. <laughs> nope. 
That's what the game. Sometimes in games, man, it's it's kind of the deal. You're a game master. Some of the like some of the old school stuff. You know, that's like there's a conversation and a negotiation sometimes that takes place. So if somebody wants to try to do something, it's more of a question and an ask than anything. Like, hey, I want to be able to do this. Can I do that? Bob, can, is, it, is my able to do that given my – and the reason they ask the question is because there may be things that are in front of their character that allow them to do that or don't allow them to do it. And most of the times, if you get a good game master, he wants you – he or she wants you to succeed in a fashion that makes sense and doesn't get you squashed. Or if there's a risk – it's you know of the risk ahead of time, and then you empower the character to assess that risk, and then they can take it or leave it. That's really good, dude. That's seriously good because I mean, if the play, if we take it, some of the, the craziest examples we had, instead of saying, "Hey, I read water breathing that works like this," is that how you use it? Asking that question, and then having Monty Cook or Sean or Eileen or somebody go, "No, no, no, it doesn't work like that. You can't use it as an offensive spell." Okay, thanks. That's a different approach than doing a thing and then demanding a result, right? Yeah. That's now, that's, now, in the same token, there are some cool shit. Like, I did something in Doc's game, and he was like, no, you can't do that. I thought it was cool. And it wasn't, I don't think it was, like, crazy mind-bending. It had something to do with casting a spell, Misty Step, or something like that, where I was going to, um, like, teleport myself to, to an area like lead lead baddies to where I was and then like teleport 30 feet away. Um, and something wouldn't have allowed me to do it for some reason. And he was like, uh, you, you can't do that, whatever. And I thought if it, if I did it, it wasn't such a stretch. Uh, and then it would have been cool, but you know, Doc's a rule, you know, he, no, I would, I don't want to call him a rules guy, but he knows the rules. Well, how, really how'd that well. make you feel, Sean? Were you upset? I, yeah, I'm still in therapy. No, seriously. What, how that were you like? Oh, I brushed it off. Okay, because I'm like, all right, that's fine. It's not that big a deal. Uh, I just would have thought, hey, man, rule of cool, but we weren't playing rule of cool. Some 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 GMs and DMs don't, you know, they don't play by the rule of cool. I mean, they're they they appreciate it when you come up with something cool, as long as it's abiding by the rules. But if it skitters on that border and maybe crosses over it, then it's maybe not something that they allow you to do. So there's, I mean, everybody's got their own kind of thing. True. Right? While we're preaching this, there are people that are like, that's okay, that's not okay, that's okay. Man, I could see that. Can't see that. I think the biggest piece when it comes to any type of limitation, whether it's with character creation, splat books, what core rules we're using, um, any of that type of thing, even if we were to say, look, I'm only going to use monsters from these three books or I'm only going to do this. I've, I've never done anything that, like that. But even if you were whatever or you say, look, it has to fit and this is the genre and all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think it's the – shit, now I completely lost what I was going to say. It was pretty cool for a minute there and it's totally gone now. Shit, fuck. I had it and it's gone. Poof. Poof. Damn it. <laughs> So I think the it's that oh consistency there I am duh lost it that as long as search checks succeed search checks succeed thank you <laughs> <laughs> very good um so all that stuff up front as long as that's where I was going as long as it's consistent like I said the rule drops down hey I can everybody can use the ultimate mega paladin book good that's available to everybody consistency consistency and then if limitations are being done in game 
the killer when it becomes a point of argument or potential frustration for everybody is when somebody bumps up against something in the Cold War in the Cold War spy game and they push that boundary a little bit and the next person wants to push the same boundary about the same distance and the other person shut down but the previous person was allowed to it's that well, that's because I like certain players more than you Brett that's a good point I can see that that's good right then yeah, yeah. then lack of consistency is logical <laughs> right <laughs> I just like those players better yeah I like Doc you're a dick Brett like, well, <laughs> well you got me there I can't love to argue with you but I can't Remember that last time you game mastered and killed my guy? Oh, hey, guess what? That you just can't do that this game. Payback, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lovely. So apart from Sean's um, uh, personal grudges being held against me, I think that's uh, that's a key piece, right, is the, the consistency aspect of it, which is, and everybody at the table, including the, uh, your fellow players, can help maintain that consistency. I have had players at my table... When somebody in the group says, hey, I think, can I do this? Or I think I'm going to try to do this. And Zave and Elf would be like, ah, you know, we tried to do something like that, you know, at that other encounter and it didn't work because it doesn't fit. I just don't think that fits the world. And eh, it's just, that's really not something you could get, that you can do. You know, there's no reason that players, either one way or the other, can argue for or against a thing as long as you, you're helping to build the consistency of that world and the setting and so on. So I think that makes sense. That's when your limitations make sense, is if the limitations are consistent. And everybody kind of, it's hard to, you can't come up with a complete list of all the limitations. Like, of all the spells available in <clears throat> GURPS Magic, good fucking luck going through all of those and figuring it out, is like, all of them will operate in these particular ways. That's tough. That's tough to do. And that's, you know, why a game like Cold Shadows, like like you said, is very, it's very tied and specific, and a very specific type of experience. You can't uh, push it as hard as you would like a basic role-playing, a GURPS or a Savage Worlds or something that's more of a toolbox game, right? It's not built to do certain things. It's only built to do a specific thing. So, again, perhaps a bad example from a system perspective. Hmm. Interesting. Anything else, man? Yeah. No, we should move on. I think on. we should move on. That was kind of that was interesting to me. I hope it was interesting to other people. <laughs> if you like it or have thoughts about it, let us know. All right. Let's go. Yeah, chime in. Let us know. Harold. All right. I have two. Um, Eloy LaSanta from Third Eye Games, friend of the show. Good dude all around. Hell of a game designer. He's going to be launching Part-Time Gods second edition this year. Uh, I don't have the full details on dates, but he was kind enough to give Sean and I a little sneak peek into what he's got cooking. And uh, I like what I'm seeing so far. So uh, we'll keep in touch with Eloy and uh, see how things go. Once that Kickstarter hits, we'll definitely let everybody on the show know. Eloy is one of those guys that when he launches a Kickstarter, he knows how to do it, much like the PIP system that we talked about last year. Um, when that stuff works, it uh, hey, if it's Eloy, it's going to work. So it's good stuff. The other one I have, um, speaking of cool things coming, is the Queen City Conquest. They, have, um, they do a Kickstarter every year to fund their stuff. That Kickstarter, they just had their little launch party. Link in the show notes to Queen City Conquest. That's our buddy Sean Gilgore and Chris Nizak and Phil Vecchione, Bob Everson, the misdirected marker, everybody out in that area in Buffalo. It's a good it's a good con. I've been there before. If I'm lucky, I can pull it off this year. I don't know yet. But anyway, check it out. Another good convention in that area. John? Yeah, some uh, findings and news. Rick and Morty D&D miniseries. So if you're fans of the Rick and Morty animation cartoon, 
they're going to do a D&D small mini series tied to D&D. And there's going to have some help from Patrick Rothfuss. Oh. And coming August 2018, uh, amongst the other individuals involved in that project. You can check that out. Link in the show notes. Nice. Uh, second one, 55 Nights. That's what it took to film uh, the biggest battle scene in Game of Thrones. Wow. 55 Nights. That's a lot of shooting. Wow. That's that's intense. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. I don't think. Wow. That's crazy big. Wow, wow, wow. Right. Neat. And if you're living under a rock, mm-hmm. or maybe you just listen to podcasts, and you don't get online or anything else, but just listen to podcasts, as you probably know, uh, Amazon Prime TV is going to be uh, producing Lord of the Rings. I heard about that, and I yeah. do not, my initial reaction was, eh, I don't know. I'm a Tolkien guy, so I'm like, ah, I've got Amazon Prime, I'm going to have to check it out and see if it's any good. I'm curious as to, I don't know enough about it, Sean, are they are they just rebuilding the trilogy again, or what are they no. doing? What, is, what, it, name, what is the madness? Uh, the, the, apparently, it's a multi-season show set in Middle-earth. Okay. So that's the deal. Like, it's going to be set in Tolkien's world. Um, and they're talking about spending a billion dollars on the show over the course of the five seasons. That's a lot of money. You could do some good shit with a billion dollars. You could also do a lot of bad shit with a billion dollars. Oh, <laughs> Look at the government. <laughs> we get busy with a billion dollars like that. Um, that's fair, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Because, I mean, if I were if I were in charge, I would do it post-war, right? I don't know. That would be kind of cool. Well, there's plenty of time in between the war, right? From the time when Bilbo comes back with the ring up until... Oh, spoilers. Um, up until the time where Frodo leaves, spoilers again, there's a lot of years in there. And then plus after the ring and even ages before, good Lord, there's lots of stuff. Wow, interesting. I'll probably have to check it out. So it's reported that uh, production will begin 2019. Um, there's also mentioned in the article that Amazon's show might include material from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies, and that it must go into production within two years. Interesting. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Huh. Hey, you know what I got to say? Game of Thrones, man. They they got everybody a buzz. Them and Vikings and all the other ones that want to oh yeah I mean it, come, come up with something yeah especially when they when they started doing stuff where they went wow you can have well it's like the Marvel TV series on Netflix once once these environments get to have well Sopranos and all this hey this works you can have this really kick ass thing in these environments so that's pretty good name cool yeah it's golden age of gaming man golden age of gaming yeah it, it's something that's for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, that's all. Well, excuse me. That's all we had for die roll. What are we What are we talking about next week, Brett? Well, Blake Ryan gave us an idea uh, via an email out to us and was asking about using creatures across games. You know, um, perhaps even settings, game systems, and so forth. This is the thing I've done in the past where you take something from one game system and then you smash it into another one 
as a touch of something familiar and so on. So don't want to wreck it all now, but uh, that'll be uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Well, excellent. I can't wait. It'll be good. Excellent. All right. So that's been another episode of Gaming MBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Sweat, but starting off really well on this one. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Palladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, The Lost Sailor, Misdirected Mark Productions, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Drescher, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Chris Steele, Eric DeHoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, The Closet Gamer, Steve, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Blake Ryan, Chad Glayman, Sky, Roger Brasslett, Evan Harrison Cass, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Skeins, Knights of the Night Crew, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Pateri Turtienen, uh, Edwin Nagy, Bruce Cunnington, Aaron Coleman, Tim Short, Stefan Dragonspawn. Oh man, I always get this one messed up. Aonegus, uh, Roll for Guild. Gordon Cranford, Andy Hall, Corey Wynn, and Graham Minert. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.